0: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode, and you're listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is a show where we answer all of your embarrassing questions about consumer tech. You can send us your questions on Twitter with the hashtag TooEmbarrassed. We also have an email address, TooEmbarrassed at Recode.net. Reminder, there are two R's and two S's in Embarrassed. My regular co-host, Lauren Good from The Verge, couldn't join us today because she has jury duty. If you can believe that, I would not want to be in that case. Anyway, I told her she could get out it by loudly telling everyone she has a podcast, which should scare off any lawyer. But she didn't take my advice, so just today, it's me. I'm here at Vox Media's New York office... And I'm delighted to be joined by Elena Bergeron, the editor-in-chief of SB Nation, another Vox Media property. Elena, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. So I'm excited because I saw you. We were just at South by Southwest. Mm -hmm. And what were you doing on stage there? Because I am the the only person who doesn't know anything about sports Um, in America. I was doing basically
1: (laughs) what I get paid to do in our newsroom bullpen, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is talk a lot of crap about sports and make some sports jokes. Right. Um, right. We just did it publicly. Yeah, you did it publicly.
0: And you had a big chart up. What were you doing? Yeah, we had a
1: big chart up because Sunday at uh, South By and Sunday in the rest of America was Selection Sunday, Mm -hmm. which is the day that uh, the NCAA Selection Committee lets everybody know what teams are in uh, the March Madness tournaments, the NCAA men's and women's tournaments.
0: Right. That's basketball, right? Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. Remember, we have a lot of geek (laughs) readers who
0: may be sports fans, but we're trying to get to the idea of lots of things like online, how people are using online and everything Mm -hmm. else. So explain what that means for what you were doing there just for that one, and then we're going to get into some other things.
1: Well, yeah, um, Selection Sunday for the the Sports Nuts Among Us is basically <laughs> like a sports holiday, right? <laughs> uh, the college basketball season runs from Halloween, basically, through—it's mistermed. It's March Madness, but the <laughs> tournament actually won't end until the first week of April, <laughs> right? And so this is the culmination of most teams' seasons. If you are in the elite sort of level, in the elite, stratosphere of Mm -hmm. college basketball. Your goal is to make the tournament. It's a field I went of, to Georgetown, you know, during Pat Ewing's days. Oh, did you? So I have you? some
0: knowledge of this. <laughs> they were all excited in March on <laughs> campus.
1: And you just kind of shrugged. We,
0: final four is what I remember. Yes. But anyway, go ahead. Keep <laughs> it. For a team that good, yes. yes. Their
1: destination is yes. ultimately the final four. But for everybody else in the field, it's uh, 68 teams. Hmm. Uh, they will play one-and-out tournament style, seated based on, you know, how well they've done throughout the year. But it's a big deal to make it not only for the
0: performance and what it says about, you know—
1: mm-hmm trying to win a championship but also because there's a lot of money involved.
0: So explain what you guys had to do with it because I want to get into the tech part of it because this is a tech podcast and we're going to talk about tech and March Madness. Well, sure.
1: So officially at South By, I and Charlotte Wilder, who's our staff writer, Mm -hmm. uh, essentially (laughs) were using the bracket and what we knew about different teams to give fans uh, a team or assign them a team to follow throughout the tournament because Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who all of a sudden really want to get into March Madness and you hear a conversation about it particularly if you work in an office literally every day because there's the bracket madness, people are betting on all the games. And, you know, pretty much every night, especially as you get to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of the weekends, there are games on and there are a million games a day. Um, so there are a lot of people who take off work to go bet. There are a lot of people mm-hmm. who fly out to Vegas for the weekends during the tournament. And mm-hmm. so it's like a conversational thing that if you did not go to Georgetown or a big powerhouse basketball school, mm-hmm. you want an end and you want somebody to talk about this thing that everybody's talking about, right? right. Now, baby, you saw, because um, I know that you interviewed Valerie Jarrett right yes. ahead of us. Yes, I did. And Charlotte and I are sitting in the, groom the room. The Obama advisor. Right. The top <laughs> Obama. We're sitting in the green room being like, I really want to know what's happening in the world and what's Mm -hmm. going on with the Democratic Party, but— the bracket's being announced right now, so we're sitting literally in the green room trying to get the live feed mm-hmm. from CBS so we can see them announce the field. And this year it was sort of like a terrible production because they wouldn't give you the bracket up front, mm-hmm. uh, which is the thing that everybody's basically waiting for. Not only do you want to know the names of the teams involved, but you want to know who they're playing, right. which is essential
0: to the betting. Right. Uh, and they waited till the end of the broadcast to do that this oh, year. Oh, so. man, that must have been a disappointment. Now, t- well, this is, again, I said tech. So let's talk about tech and March Madness. How has the internet and social media changed the way people follow the tournament? Because you guys were sitting there frantic, I remember, on your phone. So what, talk about how is it still driven by watching games on TV or is that falling out of favor? Because it seems a lot of it is surrounding now tech. And I know this is not a new thing to you, but how, how does, what's happening right now with that?
1: Yeah, I think that tech has really enabled kind of the, the over-the-top fandom around this. And mm-hmm. certainly in terms of getting your information and knowing what game to watch, mm-hmm. it's changed. Everything right because um, in in previous years and this sort of predates internet craziness around brackets. If you had the the CBS partnership, the the rights to actually air the games, mm-hmm. CBS was in control of what games it aired on mm-hmm. one broadcast network, and so especially in the first weekend when there are 64 teams, once you get past the the first four and all that shenanigans, there are games going on simultaneously every day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm -hmm. And because it's a one-and-done format, everybody's sort of playing for their life, those games get very dramatic. Mm -hmm. If you're watching the wrong game, you are going to miss, you know, the crazy Cinderella moment or the last-minute shot as somebody hits it. So what technology has really enabled everybody to do is, number one, Uh, CBS now shares those rights across uh, their networks and with TBS. So TBS, True TV, everybody is streaming these games on apps, and there are live look-ins to the game that is like the good game. Mm -hmm. So if you're watching both on TV, they cut into the feed, so you can just go to the game that you're going to care about or the game that's the upset or the one that everybody's tweeting about. And similarly— if you download one of those apps, you have a, a huge impetus to want to have one of the, the streaming rights apps against March Madness on your phone, which you really have no other
0: use for, you know, the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And so explain what happens in terms of just watching the games. Is How does it get communicated on social media and other places?
1: Well, starting with Selection Sunday, number one, like— We were just dying to watch what was going to happen with the bracket because the bracket is regionally Mm seeded. And so immediately, fans, if you're a fan of one of the teams that, you know, highly ranked. Yeah, if you're, say, a. We'll go a UVA fan, right, because mm-hmm. they are the overall number one. Mm-hmm. If you are the best team in college basketball, as determined by the NCAA selection committee, you get the primo region, right? meaning you get the region that's closest to your home. Right. So they got the number one seed in the south region, mm-hmm. and it, once the bracket came out, it was announced they were playing UMBC. So if you're a fan of either one of those teams, that announcement automatically determines what day you're playing, where you're traveling uh what your schedule looks like, can I book my hotel now? Mm-hmm. Who am I riding with? Can I call right. up my friends and say, like, are we going to right. the game? Are we, are we going to watch right. at this time, right. et cetera, et cetera.
0: Part of that, obviously, is also betting on games, mm-hmm. which has become a big uh, Internet thing, especially. So how widespread is that now and how much is enabled by the Internet versus betting pools and other ways? They Oh, my
1: God. The, the Internet enables it to explode, right? Because right. brackets have been a thing forever. Forever. But with the advent of the Internet and also with uh, the bracket challenges, which— mm-hmm.
0: Explain uh, that for people. so Right. People. So
1: when you have the entire bracket come out and it tells you um, all 68 teams, their plans, obviously, mm-hmm. and what the matchups are— The first thing that every fan does is Mm -hmm. goes through that bracket and sort of determines based on the tree of what the seeds are, who's going to win each and every game. And so you can predict out from the second that you have that bracket or you can try and extrapolate Mm -hmm. out who you think is going to make it to the final four. And based on, you know, your picking style, basically, you can say, oh, I think this team, you know, is— offensively the best team in right. the country. You can see right. how those matchups are going to play out right. and get to, you know, whatever your lineup is going to be. Right. But the internet has enabled you to share that in such a way that you can create groups within any peer group you want. You mm-hmm. We have a couple with our team and our staff, which is mm-hmm. maybe a little bit illegal, but not really, <laughs> um, where we're betting within the office against mm-hmm. each other, right? right? But you can fill out as many brackets as you want. You can do it against your parents. You can do it against, you know, and What a, do you a use? for technology?
0: you use to use
1: uh, I. I do a bunch of them. I'm okay, sorry. Exactly. So I'll do e- ESPN.com has a good one just because a lot of people use ESPN and log right, in right. and have those rights. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can host a group on there to right. bet amongst your cohorts. Uh, CBS Sportsline has one. We also have one on SBNation.com. It is printable. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> sponsored by Great Clips. Thanks very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you use those and you fill them out and you use them to bet against one another in terms of straight up who's going to win what. And there are all sorts of methodologies for, predicting this thing that is ultimately completely unpredictable. And people share information about that on
0: text or Twitter. What's the big social media for doing all this from your perspective? from my perspective you, you it's just trash talk on twitter i <laughs> expect,
1: right what well, you can trash talk on twitter but within a lot of the apps espn is one and like i said cbs sports on is another one you can trash talk within the group that so you chat set up group, as a, chat a right, yeah. exactly so right. you can get on there and do that and same thing when you print them out and do it in real life you know even if you have sort of set up your betting or set up the strategy through a website or through an app, you know, when you see people in person, you
0: still talk You do that, shit. but what's been, what's been the most facilitating thing of those? What, what do people use the most? Do they, yep. Let me go through them. Twitter, what do people use Twitter for when, during this time? Twitter, to- you use as a second
1: screen experience, I mm-hmm. find, by and large. And so, it, like I said, as games are going on in real time and mm-hmm. there's, you know, four going on concurrently on a Thursday, Twitter, by and large, is how we find out Oh, this game that, you know, you think is right. not going to be a very good game. Oh, my God, it's the last minute. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, two seed is about to be upset yeah. and it's going to throw Vegas into a tizzy and, you know, mm. whatever else. That's how we're finding out about a lot of stuff. Also, right. I mean, Twitter for me is one of the best replays of what action is, is actually happening? Yeah, right. and so when you see those weird buzzer beaters, or you see somebody that's like 18 years old and he loses and he starts crying on his coach's shoulder, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's the moment. That's the human drama of March, and those are the right. things that we share and right.
0: make fun right. of, which used to be given to you through sports writers in no,
1: no other way, right? Well, it's, that or you would have to wait till like your local news reaired, right? Whatever on on TV, so you can see that. What about
0: Facebook? How do people use Facebook when they're using
1: this? I tend not to use Facebook, but that is always an option through all of the apps, right? Right. So if you fill out a bracket on you know one of the major sports websites, Mm -hmm. automatically at the end you will see a badge that's like Mm -hmm. and share your bracket on Facebook because obviously the methodology you used. To come to your right. final four in your predictions, mm-hmm. that's the thing that you want to share and sort of, like, talk about in your feeds with other people. So you right. want to share it and say, look how smart I am. Mm-hmm. Nobody expects this team to win it all, but I do, and I have all these reasons why.
0: Right, okay, and then you have to explain it. And what about Yahoo? Yahoo was the center of that. Mm-hmm. What's it, What's happened now there?
1: Yahoo is less of a center, even though used to be, like, they have been a huge fantasy, for- fantasy sports force. Yeah, um, within college basketball, people just use them less because they're their actual they used to be, yeah their bracket tool is just not as easily maneuverable for folks, mm-hmm. and like the sharing part of Yahoo is not quite as easy because people don't right. sign up as much for right. Yahoo for that anymore and like, right. people do it a lot We should to that Right, so, so if, if you have the CBS app for instance <laughs> so you can live stream Right Obviously you're kind of housing all your March mad- Madness fandom in one right. place if you do that
0: Right, we're going to jump to it the- Now big picture what trends are you seeing in how people watch and talk about games this year and is the impact uh, of tech on March Madness different or is it something like the Super Bowl Olympics because it's just been more and more and more you saw the Super Bowl the Olympics especially were highly digital this year comparatively mm-hmm. and that may be because NBC leaned into it um, how do you look at that do you do you see it's just more and more, or is it there's a bigger impact It's more but I mean, sports are so
1: tribal, and your allegiances within sports are such a big part of your identity mm-hmm. that social media is really helpful in sort of creating these tribes right and c- Creating an echo chamber for the thing that you want to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. So even during the broadcast, you can see people saying, you know, use the March Madness hashtag so that you can search it and mm-hmm. find commonality about people who are watching the same game as you. But even within that um, that non-prescriptive social media usage, mm-hmm. fans will watch and you see a lot of people, especially this time of year, sort of going all in on talking about why aren't players paid, Right, mm-hmm. so like right before the bracket was announced, it came out that uh, this is the year that you know the NCAA will make more than one billion dollars, you know, in right. terms of their revenue. And immediately, you know, people made that connection. It right. is March; you're about to get this huge money making tournament. It's time to play- pay the players. Right. So people have really, Which, of course, using there was a controversy.
0: Around. What what team yeah. about paying? Uh, Literally a lot of teams. A lot of because <laughs> there is payment going on. It's just it's just policed in There's a way that people think shouldn't happen anymore. There's an investigation
1: around right. paying players, mostly through the FBI. The FBI yeah. found some wire fraud that was happening right. uh, from a runner from one of the major agents, right. the NBA but agents. But essentially
0: it's paying players. Oh, it's definitely paying yeah, players. Yeah. Do you think they should when that controversy comes up? I don't think that agents should pay players. I think the NCAA should pay players. Pay players yeah. because, as they do better. Does that enter money too early? It's supposed to be pure, right? That's the concept. But it's not.
1: <laughs> it's never been pure. And right. the NCAA tournament, the men's tournament, is, in fact, the biggest money maker for the NCAA out of all their business. So even mm-hmm. in terms of e-commerce or, you know, selling, you know— physical branding of teams or whatever mm-hmm. else like the money that they make off the tournament in terms of broadcast rights mm-hmm. and uh revenue that they bring in in arenas right. that's the that funds the NCAAs governance of all sports right um and so it's kind of ridiculous to me that they don't at least try to How pay would you the split up to pay for players? Oh my gosh, I think you'd have to make it equitable. Like I think you would have to just have a stipend for everybody at this point. Right, not the better players yep. over the, not the winners, maybe an extra stipend, no. No, well When you find that that's mostly what the players are asking for is just sort of I need some money to get me through this college experience Mm -hmm. or I need um, access to – the NCAA has a fund right now that's sort of an emergency fund for players. Mm -hmm. Like if there is a death in the family and they need to travel Mm -hmm. and they don't have the money for it, Mm -hmm. there is a procedure through which you can – sort of say you want to protest the NCAA and say, like, release these funds to me. They just want better access to that stuff. And if you could just sort of articulate, hey, if you are a college athlete in a major revenue-generating sport, you get— $1,000 $1,000 over the course of the year, mm-hmm. I think that would go a long way to people saying, like, hey, at least you're revenue sharing
0: with the players. With the players, who are they, who everybody else is making money for shoe. Yeah. So let's move on to another area, the NFL. Why do you think ratings are down, and Olympic ratings, same thing? What What is happening from your perspective? It's
1: March. Why are we talking about the NFL? Uh-huh. I I just, about the it's NFL. a bigger it's topic. Um, no, basketball isn't down. <laughs> I've talked a lot about this with uh, Kurt Wagner from mm-hmm. Recode, um, who actually did a piece about NFL ratings for us uh, last March, in fact. Um, But it's about them sort of the NFL as a league breaking up the broadcast and streaming rights. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of product around the Internet and on TV and Mm -hmm. on your phone with the NFL. And it's people are looking at the ratings for the broadcast and going, why is this going down? Well, number one. Like there, you as a fan, you don't know which game takes priority. You're just right. sort of like, why are you giving me all of this football all the time when the thing I want to see is my team? Mm-hmm. The NFL makes it extremely hard if you're out of market to see your team unless you have two or three different types of apps. I know this because I'm a New Orleans Saints fan who lives in New York and it's very mm-hmm. difficult for me to watch mm-hmm. my team except through some of the NFL apps that I have. But I'll, I'll tell you a funny anecdote about that. So this year, I actually went to an Eagle game as part of like, we were hanging out with Bleeding Green Nation, which is our huge Eagles uh, blog for SB Nation. Bleeding Green Nation. Bleeding Green Nation. I had them in about that. And so I actually had tickets to the game. I'm in the stadium physically watching the Eagles play, mm-hmm. but the Saints are playing at the same time. There's mm-hmm. no way I'm not going to check in on that. I right. have the official app of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Let me go check in on my team. This is when I learned that if you are in an NFL stadium, yeah. you cannot stream another game. What? What? Why can't I have more football? Right. Like, I, what? What? Is this not what you Did want? Did you say that? Did you continue to say, what? I, what? W- I, I was yeah. going to throw my phone, and people yeah. around me, sort of like, as all Eagles fans were, mm-hmm. like, why do you, you want to watch a different game? I'm like, that's not my team.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> like, this right. game is sort of out of hand. I want to watch my team. Mm-hmm. But that's what I mean in the sense that, like— n- Because of the different walls between the Mm -hmm. streaming and the live and the broadcast, Mm -hmm. it's really, really difficult to see the game or to choose the game that you want to see.
0: Right.
1: Secondly, because there's so much football and now, Mm -hmm. you know, they play internationally in London and Mexico City. They're playing NFL football from Thursday on through Monday night. There's a lot of product, and it's not all very good. Mm -hmm. And specifically, the NFL players have been very adamant about saying that Thursday Night Football is a bad product. It throws us off of our natural routines. People are getting hurt because of it, because they're not as prepared to play the game. But it makes the league something like $500 million a year. Mm -hmm. They just renegotiated the rights for it in a year where the Players Union was really talking vociferously about, let's not do this anymore. It makes too much money for the NFL. so right to do it, even though it's not the ratings so you think right. ratings people are watching
0: elsewhere. They're watching other places, or you don't. They aren't reflected in
1: the broadcasts, right? Or you're directed to one game a week that is the big game. You right. don't want to watch all this other sort of bad football.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you do you think that the ratings will continue to go down for a lot of this for broadcast sports?
1: I do. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think specifically with NFL, they're in a hole because. Number one, they're chopping up the rights and spreading them a lot and spreading them onto Amazon and other places. But I think also one of the things that's contributing to this that they're not really prepared for Mm -hmm. is the participation rate. Of people playing football is going down and has been yep. for years. And so. I won't let my kids play football.
0: I believe it. Why yeah, would you? Why would I? Exactly. It's Unless like- I want them to be brain dead by 21. I feel like that. I think I said that to one of the football commissioners. <laughs> it wasn't very polite. I'm glad that you did
1: because did. they're chasing after moms hardcore mm-hmm. yeah. because they realize that's the gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. But I think that one of the things that keeps the NFL is so relevant in terms of like um, media, I cover it all the time, you cannot mm-hmm. cover the NFL, is that it's a part of your culture as a sports fan. Right. So Friday night lights, mm-hmm. high school football, Saturday tailgating, college football. Right. Sunday afternoon is still widely is right. like, you sit, you tailgate, you do NFL games. If it's not part of the culture of people's habitual day-to-day lives like that and in the future, you're going to see it fall off the cliff. Yeah.
0: What about the Olympics? How do you think they did from a digital Mm -hmm. point of view? I have not looked at the numbers
1: yet, but I don't think it was nearly as overwhelming as like, I won't even compare it to Summer Olympics because Summer Olympics are a little bit of a different beast, Mm -hmm. but even Winter Olympics, year over year, year, Olympiad over Olympiad, Mm -hmm. I think they were down, mostly because like, there were a lot of folks that were not competing. So obviously the Russian team being a weird situation, Mm -hmm. that turned people off. NHL players didn't play. And Winter Olympic sports are sort of like predicated on one or two stars popping up in figure skating, for instance, and there just weren't those this year. Right.
0: There weren't those this year. Mm -hmm. But how do you you judge how they did their digital offerings? Because again, they were touting how much bigger they were.
1: Yeah, I mean... You have to have a reason with Olympics to go digital, right? Mm-hmm. Like with the NFL or with college basketball, you're there anyway. And the, the, the mobile offering mm-hmm. or the digital offering keeps you connected in a way that you could never be, uh, even if you were looking on TV. Right. For winter sports, you just you have no tie to it. You're not trying to find your team, mm-hmm. and you're not tracking your bet. So right. it's much uh, it's a much harder proposition to say yes. You should download all these things so that you can watch in real time. Especially when there's you know there's a tape delay on the mm-hmm. live broadcast. You're right. gonna hear about it on Twitter who right. actually won you know yeah. in real time. But then you'll have the opportunity to watch it on
0: eight different NBC networks mm-hmm. later. Like, there's no impetus to sort that's of that's like, a really do that. good point. Even if it's digital, yeah. Yeah. So lots lots of, a couple more questions, then we're going to get some questions from some uh, of our audience. Lots of sports leagues are experimenting with digital streams via Twitter, YouTube, Amazon, or even virtual reality headsets. Do you think any of these digital streaming options pose a threat to real traditional television in that vein? I think absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because
1: as a fan, you're always looking for a better product, and you kind of, if you are there and you're hardcore, a fan of a team or of a sport you want to see how it plays out and so you will push your boundary a little bit further mm-hmm. it's kind of that point that I just made about Olympics the people that dive into Olympics are sort of like passersby right. and you kind of want to see the human drama but like by and large you really don't know the athletes in that sport right. you'd count on TV to sort of tell you Except those curling.
0: stories every four years curling gets, becomes it
1: it does but name one curling. I don't right exactly
0: They're not I, like yeah. I like their Twitters I like
1: their I followed them on Twitter that's it <laughs> that's really awesome Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and like the, the Diddy Sirak ad where he's mm-hmm. like curling, that's fine. But in terms of like the major pro sports leagues, you will follow the technology more and more because mm-hmm. liter- literally, like I said, with football, you can't get enough of the thing that you want. Um, and so I, I do think that they present an interesting challenge and an interesting threat to linear programming. And I think that Which one do great. you think does a great job of them all? What do you mean? Uh, Twitter, Amazon, YouTube. Which one? Amazon's interesting.
0: Mm -hmm, Amazon's
1: interesting just because they've been adventurous in sort of what the partnerships they're going to take on are. Mm -hmm. And they're experimenting with the way that they deliver pieces of the broadcast, whether they stream it, you know, if you have Amazon Prime. Uh, what they're trying to do with live. And there are some interesting OTT opportunities that Amazon presents for leagues that I think will make them a better partner for leagues than certain other types. I think Twitter has been in a weird space because they're not a very good – sort of user experience for video. They don't right. showcase video in a good way. And right. like a lot of what they do with live... They were early, but yeah. Yeah, they were early. But again, like they're a very good second-screen experience mm-hmm. in terms of the user-generated content, not so right. much in terms of showcasing the video. What about YouTube? YouTube's going to be big, I think. Really? Yeah. Um, we kept seeing ads for what they're going to be doing with live sports, um, mm-hmm. even within linear broadcasting, a lot of ads for that. Right. But I think that because users are so much more used to looking at video on YouTube is a much easier move. Yeah, exactly, right. than like a Twitter or like Facebook. What about VR? VR is going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, there's, Have you tried it? I've tried it and it, it's really riveting and obviously like I had gone to the All-Star game, NBA mm-hmm. All-Star game in February and they are doing a lot around VR as a league, trying to mm-hmm. make sure that... Um, For their fan experience, making sure that people stay connected to the game and connected to those athletes Mm -hmm. um, in real and tangible ways that go beyond just the normal broadcast. But it's causing a lot of consternation because the NBA as a league has also been very, very forward thinking in terms of camera tracking and Mm -hmm. using smart view technology in arenas. And now using wearables in right. terms of biometric tracking, right. which obviously is going to be a huge issue with their players' union. Sure. But if you have that data and we can fight all day about whether it's owned by the league it, yeah. or owned by the players, mm-hmm. you can use that to enhance an, a VR experience for your right. audience.
0: Right. And then Facebook. Facebook, what, how do you see them entering the page? Money. Lots
1: yeah. of money. Yeah, they they have easy partnerships um, and a, a, a lot of smart things that they're trying to do with now with the change with algorithms to sort of favor local and favor shareable. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, that has broad applications within the sports world. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're aligning uh, against the partnerships with the leagues, leagues try to sell the whole league. They don't try mm-hmm. and sell you team by team. Right. And so I think there's going to be a fundamental headbutt with Facebook and
0: sort of what they're doing with their sports rights. With their sports rights. So, but how long until someone like... Like Amazon or Facebook becomes the only place we can watch live sports. Do you think that? Yeah, I mean, I don't
1: think it's going to be immediate, but I think like we're closer to it than a lot of people think, mm-hmm. and I I think it's going to be decided by the individual leagues themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think once we get to twenty twenty one, what's going to happen with uh. NFL broadcast rights mm-hmm. is going to be a little bit of a tipping point right. for that move just because uh, the ESPN's of the world and the CBS's of the world aren't making news enough. Quotes, yeah. yeah, they're not making enough off of the return on investment for what they're paying for those rights. And so I think they're going to bid lower whereas, you know, Jeff Bezos is not <laughs> bidding and he apparently lower. is the richest
0: man in the world. No, yeah. but they <laughs> they want to own your whole experience mm-hmm. and then sell you the VR headset mm-hmm. along with it or Same thing with YouTube and Google, Mm -hmm. um, because they're all in those areas. All right, when we get back, we're going to talk some more. We're going to have some questions from our audience. I'm here with Elena Bergeron, the editor-in-chief of SB Nation. By the way, congratulations on your big job. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I have some more questions for her, but first we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. If Lauren Good were here, she would say hashtag money. So, Elena, would you do the honors this week? Hashtag money. Oh, that's much better. Oh, my God, I'm totally replacing you. Today's show is brought to you by Magic. No, really, that's the name of the company sponsoring this. We all have tasks that need to get done, but we wish we could just pass them off to someone else. That's where Magic comes in. These are 24-7 trained personal assistants at your beck and call. Just send Magic a text message with your request, and a real person gets to work. Magic's personal assistants can help you with virtually anything. They can research and book travel arrangements, deal with a cable company, hire a plumber, plan an event, schedule doctor's appointments, and so much more. With Magic, there's no monthly fee and no commitments. You only pay for what you use. There's a low cost per minute. Use Magic as often as you need it. Elena, what would you want a personal assistant to do for you? Oh my gosh.
1: I um, have all kinds of dead electronics mm-hmm. that I need to find the right recycling home for oh, and I just plan. don't have done it. You have time to figure it out but yeah. you just sit there right yeah like to haul an actual printer somewhere yeah. oh, come on
0: that's a good one Elena I don't have dead electronics magic uh, wants to help our listeners get more done so they have a special offer if you're too embarrassed to ask a listener your first request is free to get this offer go to getmagic.com slash t-e-t-a start crossing things off your to-do list today Try magic for free. Go to getmagic.com slash Tita. That's getmagic.com T-E-T-A. I'm back with Elena Bergeron, the Editor-in-Chief of SB Nation, another Vox Media property, um, the biggest one at Vox, the <laughs> sports one, as you, SB. Uh, Thank you. For what does ecology. SB stand for? Sports. This, this sports is a Bros? funny question
1: what? that we, we end up asking a lot of athletes when we interview them, and they never
0: know. It's <laughs> Sports Blogger Nation. Okay, Sports Blogger Nation. I like Sports Bro Nation, but that's mm-hmm. not good, because Steph Curry said sports ball. Well, sports ball. Sport. <laughs> sports ball nation. You know I call all sports sports ball, because you exactly. know that. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about one of my favorite topics, sports, sports. Uh, but it actually isn't. But I find it really interesting where it's going from a digital point of view and how people watch and consume it. We got some questions from our readers and listeners when we announced that Elena would be on the show. We have a question from Josh Schwartz. We have two of them, actually. I've never understood how this stuff is regulated, so if you could explain some of that, I'd really appreciate it. Also, what happened between FanDuel and DraftKings merger? How, how do they regulate sports online? They just, there's so, sorts of rules yeah. around broadcast. Is it yeah. much different online? Well, it's... Some of it in terms of if you're talking about
1: streaming and uh, rights usage Mm -hmm. is determined by the actual um, Mm -hmm. leagues. Yeah, determined by the leagues and what their contracts are with their various partners. So Mm -hmm. if you are, I don't know, say the NBA and you have a partnership with uh, TBS and TNT uh, to air NBA coverage, well, those games, you cannot live tweet game footage from the arena against, like, the SB Nation account, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's a thing that's prescribed by the contract. Mm -hmm. But also that, you know, that league sometimes enforces, Mm -hmm. sometimes doesn't, just because the NBA is a little bit more open Mm -hmm. to sharing. NFL, absolutely not. They are very protective of the rights and the rights of the partners. So if you guys do what?
0: So if you show off any clips? yeah. They shut them down. And they'll lose their mind. Yeah. yeah, they'll lose their mind. And so, how do you then do that as a as a media organization?
1: What well, do you- as a media organization, you can use some of them uh, after the fact or not in real time um, against fair use. And so Mm -hmm. making sure that we're educating our fans or pointing out something about the style of play or Mm -hmm. explaining what happened in terms of an injury or, you know, a move that was compelling that people need to see. That's what we sort of use them for. Um,
0: What about the player rules? Because now players will have more power. You see all the players Mm -hmm. tweeting heavily using social media, Mm -hmm. uh, creating their own things. Where does that go?
1: No, they 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 use a lot of social media and like they will adapt clips that the NFL throws out or their the NFL team sites mm-hmm. throw out, but like the athletes themselves don't own the rights I to their themselves. own footage. But where you know? do
0: they go from so? I, I want to get onto that topic. Mm-hmm. They are some of them are who are the most active in sports. Oh my gosh, um,
1: we, we we see a lot with uh, Juju Schuster, or the Steelers who we love on Twitter, and he follows us and retweets us all the time, but he's that's very active on Twitter in terms of responding to fans or Mm -hmm. responding to media outlets who post funny memes. So he's really good. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. potentially got into a little trouble because Mm -hmm. the lady that he was with sort of broadcasted on Snapchat that she was hanging out with Odell Beckham Jr. And there were Mm -hmm. maybe some illegal substances involved, Mm -hmm. but nobody knows that for sure. So Mm -hmm. shout out to them. Um, (laughs) But yeah, there are people that sort of engage their fans in different ways and have leverage their social media usage to be very profitable for, to them so mm-hmm. again I'm a Saints fan I follow Alvin Kamara on Twitter mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara loves airheads mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara will hashtag airheads on on his Twitter account, and people ask him, "Oh, what is your favorite flavor? And what do you eat before yeah. games?" And he's like watermelon, and so that has become a thing, both in real life, but also something that like got him an Airhead sponsorship, right? Right. right. So, yeah, there are. Do couple you see players like
0: getting more power through having digital presences? Absolutely.
1: Um, I think both in terms of generating income for themselves, just like I said, like, <laughs> you can use your social media and level that up into direct sponsorships. Mm-hmm. But also I think, like, guys that are, and women as well, who are highly visible on social media um are Serena more... Williams. Yeah, exactly, are much more popular among who uses social media. Millennials, mm-hmm. Right, And so um they've sort of leveraged that in terms of, the traditional metrics of how you judge the popularity of an sure. athlete, right? So I mentioned Odell Beckham Jr., who is somebody that like hangs out with Drake on Instagram mm-hmm. or whatever. Most popular jersey sold in the NFL, so right. it's profitable for him and for the league. Right. Same thing with Serena Williams. You know, she's on there all the time. She talks about her comeback. You know, baby, yeah, and she's a baby. She's often used it as a platform to circumvent those post-match press conferences, right? Right. When you're not being asked the questions that you think you ought to be asked. Or if you're asked something and you asked it in kind of a jerk
0: way. Yeah, he, and it, she did it the other day when someone, she had a very calm way of saying, and the reporters in the room right. uh, depicted it as differently, and she just posted it, and it was clear they were wrong.
1: Exactly. When people describe that interaction as testy, and she just posts the raw video and says, you know, she didn't, I don't think she said anything, but everybody else goes, yeah, she husband. didn't raise her voice, you know, she didn't argue with anybody, she answered the question. Mm-hmm. And so, like, what was testy about that? Like, what are you right. expecting? Right. So I think athletes have a lot more leverage in terms of owning their social media channels and mm-hmm. programming them well.
0: Mm-hmm. Who does it badly?
1: Anybody? Who? Well, I mean, putting drug use on there isn't a good. Idea. Yeah, that's not a good one. There was a famous incident with uh, one of the former, I always say the Washington Football Club, club, because I won't say their team mascot name, Uh, but one of their tight ends was actually posting, you know, oh, I'm sitting and I'm reading my playbook, and he was actually reading his playbook without his shorts on, and Uh. he just didn't connect the— Oh. So he sort of exposed himself on Instagram. It's Ah. like, duh, stupid, why would you do that? There are a couple people that, like, have gotten themselves into trouble trying to be more clever. Right, but you see the trend
0: all athletes getting on here and being—
1: Doing it. Yeah, there will always be some holdouts, some yeah. guys that are locker room guys and, you yeah. know, how old, there's an emerita in locker rooms, uh, both right. for women and for men sometimes that, you know, I just won't let that stuff out there. Right,
0: okay. And what about the FanDuel and DraftKings merger?
1: Yeah? Yeah, I didn't pay attention to it. <laughs> all right, okay. Well, those.
0: Okay, all right. Um, Liz Weeks, if I phrase it as a question, we'll get on the show. How about this? Who is the greatest underdog in the NCAA March Madness tournament, and why is it Syracuse Orange? <laughs> well, is it the Syracuse Orange? I don't orange? know. What do you think? of your thing right there. Who are you picking? Well, uh, tell Aurora. us your draft uh, Yeah. <laughs> it's not we used a to draft, Kara. I'm sorry, your <laughs> bracket. <laughs> it's um, bracket. Your bracket. Yeah. Uh, you know, Syracuse, we used to roll oranges, I recall, being yeah. forced to roll an orange at a game.
1: Exactly, Georgetown alone. Yeah. Um, no, I, I don't know that it's Syracuse because I'm not exactly sure that they're going to win mm-hmm. their playing. What do you game. have? What's
0: on your bracket? Yeah,
1: my winner overall is Michigan State, and oh. I know that's going to be controversial. Why? Well, give people. us your reasoning,
0: um, which I, I will understand zero. Yeah, I think they
1: have the most raw talent in terms mm-hmm. of like athleticism, people who are skilled at their positions, and people that can legitimately create shots. And I think that goes under remarked upon for the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament because it's amateur sports, right? right. And so you basically need to reverse the ball and pass the ball a billion times and you need help getting your shot off because you're not an NBA player, mm-hmm. not for a team like Michigan State where they have some, some guys that are pretty ready to be professional what, basketball players. What are players. they ranked? Uh, right now they came in as a two seed, I believe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, three seed, sorry. Um, but they were a top team for much of the year. They have never been out of the top five. For Who the does everyone the expect to win? Everybody had expected Virginia to win. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the best team on paper mm-hmm. and have been all season pretty much. Well, mm-hmm. they were preseason like, unranked by the A.P., but it was pretty obvious within a pretty stacked mm-hmm. conference that they were great. But they just lost a really important score for them with a broken wrist. And so they got the top seed, and everybody's like, yes, I think they're going to win it all. And that's like, shh. So if right. you're still looking to pick, right, you can be the smart person that goes— Oh no! I know why you picked UVA, but you don't know this t- tidbit. Yeah, to yeah, yet.
0: yeah. What about what is another? Who was another? Who was the final four for you?
1: Uh, final four for me is Michigan State, uh, Arizona, why? Purdue, UNC. Uh, Mostly because Arizona's in the same regional as Virginia. Mm -hmm. And if you're thinking they're not going to make it, you got to pick somebody out of that regional. Oh, smart. Yeah, exactly. And I like Arizona. They have Mm -hmm. DeAndre Ayton, who I think is great Mm -hmm. and has progressed. Mm -hmm. He's also one of the players that, according to the FBI, probably got paid to go somewhere. But I don't care. It makes no difference to me. Um, But what people will always tell you about picking a bracket is that somewhere in there, because everybody's seated, Mm -hmm. right, you should pick— a number twelve seated team to upset a number five seated team because oh. it always happens. Right. And so there's only four of those games. Just pick one, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if you get the wrong one, you'll sound very smart in mm-hmm. your, you know, bracket pools and right. at your water cooler. So those are big ones.
0: Okay. And the others you Arizona UNC because they're always in there right UNC
1: yeah UNC is always in there they got a good regional and I think that Xavier who's the top seed in that region who's the coach will probably there get upset now? Uh, at North Carolina yeah Roy Williams no, I'm
0: sorry uh, hello I don't know it was, it was <laughs> another guy who's famous right what's his name <laughs> Dean Smith I'm sorry it's like yes. sort of what do you mean and I know but you know if you ask me about details about movies or something like that I have a million of them <laughs> for you so we all have our talents um, or say. What am I real? I know everything about a lot of things, but not that. All right, so um, so not Syracuse Orange, though. Sorry, Liz. No, not, nah, <laughs> and they got to beat Arizona. What happened State in Georgetown? To in? Speaking of, Illinois, are they still bad or good? Or? Uh,
1: they're better mm-hmm. than they had been. Patrick Ewing is back. Right, right, the coach, coach, yeah. yeah, and so that's good. Um, they had
0: a, a pretty major conference victory, I think, mm-hmm. earlier in the conference season. But like, they're just not there yet. It's clear. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. All right. Scott Bassett, why don't we face reality and just pay a stipend or salary to college athletes?
1: I just reference that.
0: We yeah. should. I'm totally down with it.
1: Right. Yeah. Do the opposite argument. Why not? The opposite argument of why not is that, oh, it's just everybody trots out. It's just too hard to figure out what we're going to pay people. Right. Mm -hmm. Because of that thing about like, well, should we pay a star athlete the same as we would pay somebody that rides the bench? And it's like, well, you make money off the whole team. So, Mm -hmm. yes. That's fine, especially in revenue-generating sports. But then they, you do get into sort of like who's going to foot the bill for it? Um, how is that going to affect ticket prices? Mm-hmm. Do you, because of Title Nine, also pay – your women athletes on your campus the same as the ma- male mm-hmm. athletes. And I'm oh, like, yeah. yep, <laughs> yeah. sure do. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it, all of this sort of twisting in the wind about, like, why it can't happen, it, it just rings out. It gets rid of the corruption, too. Well, the, or towards, if you so, so can't find a way to pay them, then you're at this point where what is the purpose of the NCAA? Mm-hmm. Because I think the FBI investigation has shown that it's not— to be disciplinary. They don't right. have subpoena power. They don't right. actually regulate things proactively. Right. So like, what officially is your purpose? Right. Absolutely.
0: All right. This is from Kurt Wagner. He's got a few questions. But, oh, God. Uh, Hi, Kurt. Hi, Kurt. Hi, um, How has social media changed sports reporting? And related, with players breaking news on social all the time, has it made it easier or harder? So as an editor, I mean, how, how has it changed your reporting?
1: I think it's made it easier for us to ask questions more specifically about a player and their motivation and about their lives, mm-hmm. right? Because you have this open window into... Mm-hmm you know, knowing as much or as little about them as you are curious to know. Whereas before, the gatekeepers for us as media are always the PR people that work for the team Mm -hmm. or the SID that, you know, if you're in college, that's the sports information director who guards the access to the team. Whereas with social media being so readily available, if there's a player interest or something that, you know, they want to share about you know, their personal life or, you know, the coach benching them, Mm -hmm. they can take to Twitter or to Instagram or Snapchat or wherever else and sort of voice that opinion. And I can know to ask a follow-up question in a press conference or in a one-on-one interview or in a locker room. Right. And so it's really helpful from that standpoint. But yeah, there are a lot of times where athletes break news themselves. And I think that, like, With the Super Bowl, you saw with Malcolm Butler and his Mm -hmm. benching, Mm -hmm. officially the team statement was like, oh, it's an in-house disciplinary thing. But very quickly, you saw his teammates sort of pull the wool from over that. And Mm -hmm. like, sure, as a journalist, I would have loved if one of our reporters had actually sourced that out. What was the reason? Well, there's a lot of—he's got a couple different beefs with the team, and there's rumors that he tested— uh, positive for smoking weed, and so mm-hmm. that was part of the reason why other people say, no, that's not it. But you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. There's a lot of... gives con- you more ability to find out stuff. Right. And to confirm it, because right. when you have all this conjecture that seems like it's coming from responsible sources because they're players and they're people in the locker room, it it gets taken as gospel, where like, right. if you're talking specifically about things like test violations, or I'll use an example of uh, Kevin Love recently wrote about this on Players' Tribune, Um, having a panic attack in the middle of a game and having to walk off court and go to the trainer's room. If you're trying to figure out what happened with him and you just go by social media— as a reporter, there are certain things that I can't use. That's a violation of HIPAA laws. Right. You know, that's an actual mental health issue. Right. You saw Adam Schefter run a follow this because he tweeted pictures of Jean-Paul Pierre's hand after an explosion, mm-hmm. you know, basically saying he lost a couple fingers because he was trying to break news. But right. that's a violation of HIPAA. Right. And so there are different things that come out or get sourced and take on a life on social media that, according
0: to journalism standards, are not right. quite verified. But it's out there. Yeah. But it's out there. hmm you got the president doing it, so yeah. <laughs> I won't go into that. Um, what's the coolest use of technology in the sports industry today? Hmm.
1: I think it's, like, for me, it's people being able to rally themselves and their fan bases. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you see this happen a lot. Um, the Saints, unfortunately, lost their playoff game mm-hmm. in Minnesota, but— Because of the way they lost and because, you know, our kicker basically broke a rib during the game. Mm -hmm. It's a long story. Um, The Minnesota Vikings fans, because they really respected his performance in that game, a kicker, decided to rally around that guy's fundraising. Uh So they all contributed from Mm -hmm. Minnesota to his charity. New Orleans, right. Right. And so it sort of sparked this, like— organic fundraising campaign that benefited a lot of children uh, with pediatric diseases, which I thought was really amazing and awe-inspiring. I, m- I mentioned that I picked Michigan State to win it all. Well, Michigan State has had several <laughs> sexual assault mm-hmm. scandals on campus. Mm-hmm. Part of the thing that they've been able to do, the Izzone, their coach is Tom Izzo. So the student section is called the Izzone. Their students banded together immediately after some of the, the Larry Nassar trial coverage. And said, "Hey, we're actually going to go to the game and support the team, but we're all going to wear a teal." And that's become a thing. They've used it it's like to rally people online to use a hashtag to donate to sur- uh, survivors of sexual abuse in right. the local area. In right. the this same the thing, gymnasts.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. But they also had a sexual assault scandal with one of the former assistant coaches on the team, yeah. and they're going through that investigation. But again two of the Michigan State alumni, who we actually wrote about on The <laughs> the Only True Colors, um, which is the Michigan State fan site for SB Nation, they started out a bracket picking online forum where you can use all kinds of stats to sort of pick your bracket for you. It's called mm-hmm. Algebra bracket. They're Michigan State alums, instead of doing display ads against this like really cool tool that they have, they just have a big thing in their banner that lets you direct link to another organization that raises funds for mm-hmm. survivors of uh, right. sexual abuse. So right. that's amusing. By really the care. way, in
0: that case, Larry Nassar, I think technology worked beautifully. All yep. those yep. testimonies going viral the way they did was so much more powerful than a reported news event. Yeah, and like I, on a I think it actually or or helped some
1: of the women of the U.S. women's
0: more. gymnastics team to sort of realize mm-hmm. that they, they all had posted been victimized. for the first time on Facebook yep. or on Twitter or Using their testimony, it was really fascinating use of all the all the communications tools. Which and um, then, and then last question, and I have one more after that. Do you think sports leagues like the NBA and NFL should use more technology to help refs or less? Why? What's working and what isn't? I think absolutely they should use it more to help refs. Mm-hmm. It's
1: funny because uh, you know we've been talking a what lot glasses? about glasses. What? What? Well, is that? But there's also all sorts of sensory technology that uh. they're not acknowledging, right? Mm-hmm. So when you talk about is that a touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. The The rule is if you break the plane of where the goal line is, Mm -hmm. if you have a sensor in the football and a sensor in the pylon that marks where the goal line is, doesn't that call become a lot easier? Yeah. Same thing with like physically, if your toe is on the three-point line Mm -hmm. in in basketball, that – yeah. Shot, if you make it, does not count for three points. Right? Why can't we tell definitively if right. there's a sensor? It could be
0: in the shoes. It could be in the...
1: Exactly. In the cameras, mm-hmm. all NBA teams have overhead cameras that mm-hmm. track player movement. Why can't we tell from that? So why
0: don't they? You know, we talked about the helmets. Why aren't the stuff in the helmets for impact? You tell me. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I you think, tell I, me. Yeah,
1: I think it's a thing they have to negotiate with uh, the players' associations and various leagues, but also the reps. Like, there's this weird thing that happens where the reps, in terms of their union organization, they don't want their judgment called into question publicly, mm-hmm. which you can sort of understand. But yeah. if there's
0: technology that can why, help you yes. do your job That's better, ridiculous. why are we fighting this battle? I don't know. And and last question for me, uh, robots playing sports. Mm-hmm. Why can't robots play football? Well, they can. There was a movie <laughs> you know, with Hugh Jackman about this, but do you see that happening? Do you mean Blue Steel? There was one movie <laughs> so with the weird. robots playing But people's heads or
1: brains are in those robots. Well, if you read the piece 17776, which is a future of football Mm -hmm. fictive piece by John Boyce that just won uh, an Ellie yesterday. Yeah, shout out to John Boyce. Yeah, I think that's totally possible. But the thing that everybody's worried about is the human drama and the human element of Sports. It's mm-hmm. a thing that draws everybody. That's the the heartbeat of March Madness, right? Mm-hmm. Is that like yeah. you can play the game out on paper or you can simulate the game out all day and tell you like what should happen. But the fact that humans are involved is the thing that always makes you have to see the game. Oh, Elaine, now
0: sentimental. Line what about is. making like video games, Fortnite sports? Is that sports from your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you think you need people to be at the heart of these things. Yeah, but
1: even if you're playing a video game, it's a person controlling it, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But sports, do you think, will not change because of the human element, that there should be players?
1: Yeah, there should always be players, I think, even if they're assisted by... <laughs> Uh,
0: chemicals, GMOs, <laughs> HGH, I don't care. You I would be neat it if you could do make, good, cool download things. the brains of the greatest players and then have them play each other. Well, I think Ted Williams was counting on that. Yeah, right? I know he was. He still is. He's still <laughs> <laughs> sitting there frozen counting on that. on that. No, we will get into that issue later of freezing yourself for the rest of eternity. But this has been another great episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. Elena, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever Wherever you listen to podcasts or you can listen to every episode at recode.net slash podcasts and please leave us a review at itunes.com slash too embarrassed to ask that helps others find the show now that you're done with this you should check out our other shows Recode Decode Recode Replay Recode Media with Peter Kafka if Lauren Good were here she'd tell you to go listen to the Vergecast which is hosted by Neelay Patel and Why'd You Push That Button hosted by Ashley Carman and Caitlin Tiffany Elena what podcasts at uh, SB Nation should we listen to? I think everybody should should subscribe to Shut Down Fullcast. It is insane and hilarious. Wait, wait, to explain who's on it?
1: It is broadly a college football podcast, but not really at all. It is Ryan Nanny who is... Celebrity Hot Tub on Twitter, and if you follow mm-hmm. him, you sort of understand why that is the case. Okay. Uh, Spencer Hall, EDSBS, Every Day Should Be Saturday, and Jason Kirk, and they have a real good time. Do they? Do you have a March Madness podcast
0: going? I do not, know. no. Oh, you should. Just keep talking about your brackets. <laughs> your brackets. <laughs> I got it now. Don't forget to tweet your questions Have time to at Rico with the hashtag 2Embarrassed, or me email, email them to 2Embarrassed at Rico.net. Thanks for listening. Thanks to the sponsors and to Cadence13 and Box Media, which sells those ads so you can listen to this show for free. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie and our producer, Eric Johnson. We'll be back next week to answer more of the questions that you've been too embarrassed to ask, so tune in then.